Welcome to the podcast of Selmore Baptist Church in Ozark, Missouri. To learn more about our church, please visit selmorebaptist.com. And now, here's the sermon. Well, hi. Y'all doing well? How come? Just in a general sense, you're doing okay? <laughs> Anybody here happy? I can't think of a better place to be than in church on a Sunday morning with the people of God, the presence of God's Spirit. And if you can't be happy here, I don't believe you can be happy anywhere. And that's the truth. Well, I'm glad to be here. I retired as a pastor after 40 years. Uh, two months ago, Josh found out I was moving back to Missouri, and he asked me to come and hang out with you guys today, for which I am grateful. And uh, just let me say this, especially in case he's listening, I love Josh. I mean, I really do. He, uh, I, I preached a revival here, and I think he'd only been the pastor maybe one or two weeks, and I don't know how long he's been here, but that goes back a ways. It was in the other building, and uh, learned uh, to, to love him, and you're a blessed people to have him, and I hope you understand that. Having been a pastor for 40 years, I know what it's like to be loved on uh, by God's people, and uh, he has nothing but kind and gracious words to say about you all, and so I've been looking forward to this since his invitation well, it's, uh, it's always good to be here. And Cliff and Ann Burton, anybody here friends with them? And unashamed of admitting it, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, I've, I, I, w- I was their pastor in Kimberling City for years, and uh, we love Ann. I told Cliff once, I said, you know, you're the kind of guy I invite over if I want to be alone. He just said, you're nuts. I said, yeah. No, I love Cliff and Ann both, and Cliff and I have been friends for a long, long time, and also members of Kimberling City. Jim and Debbie Stockton uh, came up here with us today, and we're glad to have them. It's good to be back in Missouri, and uh, grateful to have an opportunity to open the Word of God. This is the first time I've preached since I retired in the last two months. I retired from being a pastor. I didn't retire from ministry, and uh, when God calls you to preach, you preach whenever God gives you an opportunity. And I told God years ago, uh, God, I promise you, if you ever uh, give me an opportunity to preach the gospel, I will do it. And, uh, and so I've been faithful to that over the years and will do so again this morning. I, I, this morning, I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians, the first chapter. As you're doing that, I want to tell you about a story I heard. Anytime a preacher starts with something like that, you go, oh, here we go again. I heard a couple, about a couple that were engaged to get married, a young couple, and uh, as the date of their wedding neared, uh, the bride-to-be was really nervous about something. And so she decided she'd talk to her mom about it, and she said, Mom, there's, I'm really excited about uh, getting married, but I'm really worried about something. And she says, uh, I've got terrible breath in the morning when I wake up, and I'm just afraid my new husband is not going to be able to handle that. And her mom said, well, honey, that's not a problem. When you wake up in the morning, before you open your mouth, before you speak, you go into the bathroom, you take mouthwash, and you gargle really, really well. And then it won't be a problem. Well, unknown to her, her husband-to-be was also struggling with a problem that he had. He had really smelly feet. And so he was talking to his dad one day, and he said, Dad, I'm just afraid she won't be able to stay in the same room with me if she smells my feet, because they smell really, really bad. 
He said, well, son, that's not a problem to fix. Before you go to bed at night, just put some foot powder on and then wear socks to bed and she'll never notice. They got married and for about three weeks, everything was going great. And then the, 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 the new husband woke up in the middle of the night and realized one of his socks was missing. And so he's wiggling around under the covers, trying to reach and trying to find it. When he did, he woke her up. To which she said, what in the world are you doing? And he said, oh no, you swallowed my sock. <laughs> they don't get any better than that, so. <laughs> but here's the deal. I want to talk to you this morning about our identity. And our identity determines our destiny. Now for that new, that new wife, her identity had been that she had a problem with bad breath and it led to fear. Same thing for her husband. He had a problem with his feet and the way they smelled and so it led to fear and it, in a sense, determined their destiny. Identity determines destiny. And so I wanna to talk to you about that today and I think that Paul makes it very clear for us in the first chapter of Ephesians exactly what our identity is. So begin reading with me if you would, follow along. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. I want you to know something. These are six of the most powerful words in all the New Testament, because your identity and who you understand and what you understand about your identity will determine your destiny will impact the choices that you make, the decisions that you make. And the destiny of all of those decisions will be heaven-sent and God-ordained if you understand who your identity is and what your identity is. Now, it's amazing to me, having been a pastor for so long, how many Christians struggle with fear and anxiety and worry and they fret. Now, some of you probably think I'm talking about you today. The reality is, it's all of us. If you understand what your identity is, it changes dramatically how you go about making decisions and choices in life. Now, let me share with you what Paul says. You want to know what your identity is? You may not have fully understood it when you came in here today, but I want you to leave here knowing what God wants you to know about who you are. So here's three, let me give you three things. Three things that Paul shares with us in these six verses. First, he tells us who we are. He tells us who we are. He says we are saints. Did you get that? He's writing to living, breathing believers in Jesus Christ in the city of Ephesus. He doesn't say to the sinners in Ephesus. He says to the saints in Ephesus. Now, some believe you have to die before you can become a saint. If you're not a saint before you die, you ain't. You're just not going to be a saint. You have to become a saint this side of glory or there's no, no second chance and no opportunity later. The only time to make things right with God 
is in the here and now. And by the way, how much time do you have? James says this is it. There's no guarantee of tomorrow. There's no guarantee of this afternoon. Matter of fact, I told somebody not long ago, uh, I stood and preached a lot of sermons over the last 40 years. I can't tell you how many times I preached the last sermon people heard because they passed away during the week. This is the only time you really have to make things right with God. Now, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you are a saint. Do you all say amen here? All right, let me just tell you this. For every amen I hear, I'll knock a minute off the sermon. That'll make it spiritual, won't it? God help you. How many of you have ever said this or heard it said, I'm just a sinner saved by grace? Anybody said that or heard that? I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Let me tell you something. Though that is technically true, it's a little bit flawed. Have you noticed here in, in his greeting, he doesn't say to the sinners saved by grace in Ephesus. He says to the saints in Ephesus. You see, I was saved when I was eight years old, gave my heart and life to Christ on a Sunday night in St. Louis. I was technically a sinner saved by grace, but after the age of eight, when I made that decision, I'm no longer a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint saved by the grace of God. How you understand yourself to be and who you are determines your destiny. I was blessed to spend a, a week with Dr. Adrian Rogers about a year before he passed away. And we were talking about this very thing and how difficult it is for believers to live like believers. And then he said this. He said, Randy, let me ask you a question. He said, two men walk into a dirty auto body shop. One of them's wearing dirty, greasy overalls, and the other one is wearing a white tuxedo. Who do you think is going to get more dirty? And I immediately said, well, the man in the white tuxedo. How many of you would have said that? The man in the white tuxedo. He said, that's wrong, Randy. The person who's more likely to get dirty is the man who's already dirty. He doesn't care what he brushes up against. But the man wearing the white tuxedo is going to be careful about what he touches, what he sits on, what he brushes up against. And he said, listen, if all you see yourself as a sinner saved by grace, and it's all by grace, and I can always ask God to forgive me later, the more you see yourself as a sinner, the more likely you are to make decisions based upon who you see yourself to be. It's time for us as the children of God to see ourselves as God sees us, as saints wearing the white robe of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ, and we'll be careful then about what we brush up against and what we touch. Anybody here a saint? I think we ought to live like it. Saved by grace. Am I a saint? Absolutely. Do I sometimes sin? Unfortunately. But I'm no longer a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint saved by grace. The more I see myself in the righteousness of Christ, 
the less likely I am to want to be there near those things that cause me to become dirty and tainted with the sin of the world. How I see myself determines my destiny. So he tells us who we are, saints. The second thing that he tells us this, he tells us where we are. Also in verse 1, to the saints who are in Ephesus, <coughs> excuse me, and the faithful in Christ Jesus. He says that we're in Christ. Now that's pretty deep stuff. We're in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're not in Christ, you're not a Christian. You're not, you can't be a saint of God if you're not in Christ. Now that may be difficult for some people to understand. What's he talking about there? How, how do we immerse ourselves in Christ? Well, the Old Testament presents a, a brilliant and beautiful picture for us of what he, Paul is talking about here. And it's the story of Noah and the flood. Now, it's interesting that God gives specific instructions about the construction of the ark. How long, how wide, how tall. By the way, ships today are all built off those basic same dimensions. Pretty incredible. God knows his stuff. But one thing that's not included in any of the instructions about how to build the ark is this. You'll not find anywhere, you can even read in the white spaces, it doesn't exist. Where God says, Noah, I want you to put some handles on the outside of the ark so people can hold on. So when the flood comes, they'll be able to hold on to that and survive the storm. God never told him to put any handles on there. And you know, you know the story. It took decades for that to be built. They finally go on board just as God instructed them. And after everybody was in, on board, you remember what the Bible says? What? The Lord shut the door. For a long time, I wondered about that. That was the only thing regarding the ark that God didn't permit Noah to be a part of. He built it. He brought the animals onto it. And decade after decade, he was faithful to the task set before him. But when it came time to shut the door, God wouldn't let him do it. God didn't let him do it because God loved him too much to ask him to do it. You see, no one knew there weren't any handles on the outside. When the Lord shut the door, it didn't open again until the waters had receded. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Noah on board the ark? He had been preaching for all of these years with not a single convert outside of his family. The rain starts to come. And when the water now is ankle deep or knee deep, People are starting to say, you know what, I think, I think Noah knew what he was talking about. Let's, let's hurry on down to Noah's place. Maybe we can get on board the ark. And you can see thousands of people flocking to the ark. The door is shut. They're beating on the outside of the ark. Noah, we believe now, let us in. But Noah couldn't let them in because he didn't shut them out. God was protecting Noah when he said, all right, I'll shut the door. I'm sure if there had been handles on the outside, by the thousands, they would have been grabbing those. 
trying to survive the storm. But as you've read your Bibles like I've read mine, only eight people survived. And the only people that survived were those that were in the ark. You see, the ark is a picture of Jesus Christ. And now Paul is saying this, you can't hang on to him and expect to be saved. You have to be in the ark. You have to be in Christ. So if you're not in Christ, you can't be a saved. A saint. You can't be saved today apart from him. And listen, when you're in Christ, by the way, notice what he says, you're blessed with every spiritual blessing. That was a good place for an amen. If I'm a saint of God, I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing. You think the church ought to get excited about that? You got out of bed this morning, you're blessed with everything you're going to need to make this day fully fully successful. Man, if that doesn't get you fired up, you're not paying attention to who you are. But you see, our identity determines our destiny. And if we don't see ourselves as being blessed with every spiritual blessing, then we're not going to see ourselves as being victorious throughout the day. You see, you've got God on your side and you've got Jesus Christ at the helm of your life. He's the Lord of your life. He wants to give you all of those blessings. If you're blessed, start living like it. You ought to be happy enough to nauseate people. You ever been around somebody just happy all the time? Let me tell you something about joy. It's contagious. I was telling somebody the other day. It blows my mind why churches aren't packed out on Sunday morning. Because we've got everything they want. We've got joy, peace, security, and eternal Hope in Christ. That's what all those people outside the building want. But when we leave here, we're acting too much like them and less like the people we're supposed to be. When we understand what our identity is, we are the saints of God and we're blessed with every spiritual blessing. We ought to be so excited and so happy that it's contagious. Wouldn't it be awesome if you came to church next Sunday and couldn't find a seat in this auditorium? Wouldn't that be be incredible? I think that's what God wants for this church. I think God wants to make you uncomfortable, make you stand at the back of the building. That's what I think he wants to do. (laughs) If you can't say amen, say ouch. All right, the third thing is this. What time do you usually get out of here? Clay's trying to be... I'll guarantee you one thing, you lost about 50% of your people at 2 o'clock. Well, if I'm still up here at 2 o'clock, you need to help me down. The third thing he tells us is this. He tells us what we are. He says in verse 6, and this is, I'm preaching out of New King James. I don't preach out of King James a lot, uh, but, but I'm preaching out of New King James because I love the translation. Notice what it says in verse 6. The latter part of the verse said, he made us accepted in the beloved. He tells us what we are. We're accepted. We're accepted in the beloved is Christ. We're accepted in Christ. That was another good place for an amen. You know what that means? That means 
When God looks at Randy Johnson, he sees Jesus. And when God looks at his son seated at his right hand, he looks at Jesus and sees me. Why? Because I'm in Christ. He's wrapped me. And when people look at me, they shouldn't just see me, they should see Jesus. God sees us that way. And let me just tell you this. God doesn't accept me because I'm good looking. God doesn't accept me because I'm smart. God doesn't expect, uh, accept me because I've been to seminary. God accepts me in spite of everything that's wrong with me. It's all about grace. Appreciate that, James. It's all about grace. One of the great longings of the human heart today is to be accepted. Those of us that have spent most of our, our lives in church are surrounded with people that love us and care about us. But there's a world outside of the walls of this building where people are hurting. They were raised in homes where love was absent. And they've never really felt loved or accepted. The one place every sinner ought to feel accepted is in a church full of saints. People want to be accepted. And it's, it's a longing desire of the human heart. When I was a youth minister, peer pressure was so great on teenagers. I'm sure it still is. But I've learned as I've gotten older, it's just as strong uh, with, with adults as it is with teenagers. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be a part of the group. We want to be loved by everybody. <clears throat> the problem is, oftentimes we compromise in order to gain the acceptance we really don't want. But I just want you to hear me now. If you are in Christ, you're in the in crowd. You're accepted by Christ. You're a part of the family of God. And you can't get any more in than that. I want you to look at verses 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased Possession to the praise of his glory. You remember when I told you there were no handles on the ark? You know what those two verses tell us? You don't have to hold on to him, he holds on to you. It's all based on him. You think he's strong enough to hold on to you? Absolutely. If you're a saint in Christ, you are a saint forever. Forever. We are a secure member of the family of God, not because we're able to hold on, but because he is and we're in Christ. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. That happens at the moment of your spiritual conception. I had somebody not too many months ago who said to me, you know, Randy, I... Uh, 
I struggle with whether or not I'm a Christian, but I know that I am. And I said, well, how do you know that you are? Well, I've just always been to church. And I said, well, let me ask you this. How old are you? They told me how old they were. I said, how do you know how old you are? Well, I've got a birth certificate. I said, well, you also should have a spiritual birth certificate. You just didn't, your parents didn't wake up one day, walk into a bedroom and say, good night, there's a baby in there. Where'd that baby come from? They gave birth to you. And the government of the country recognized that you were born and they gave you a birth certificate to verify it. I don't, I don't think people just accidentally become Christians. I think we make a conscious decision to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And when God forgives us, he forgives us based upon his grace. And at that moment, that's our spiritual birth certificate. And notice what he says here. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. Now that word seal is important. You remember after Jesus was buried, they sealed the tomb, right? I'm not making it up, it's in the Bible. They sealed the tomb of Jesus. They took clay and put it on each side of the, of the stone. They took a cord and stretched it across and embedded it into the clay on either side of, uh, of the stone. And then the governor would put the signet of, the Rome, of, uh, of his on in the clay, embedded in the clay, representing the Roman government. Now, why, why did they do that? Why did they seal the tomb of Jesus? You think a little cord in some, in some clay is going to keep people from breaking in or breaking out? Nah. They sealed it for an important reason. Two reasons, exactly. First, the seal of the Roman government authenticated the contents of the tomb. When they sealed the tomb of Jesus, the Roman government, without even realizing it, were saying to all people, the body of Jesus Christ is indeed in this tomb. So it authenticated the contents. In that case, it was Jesus. But it also guaranteed the security of the tomb. That's why they put the guard of, of Roman soldiers watching it. So when the Bible says here that that you are sealed by the Spirit of God, God's saying, I want you to know something, people. That one belongs to me. My spirit is in him, and that's genuinely one of my, my kids. That is a child of mine. And then secondly, he said, and I will secure it until the day of redemption. This is so good, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. You're as saved as you're ever going to be if you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. But your salvation's not complete. I don't know if you knew that. Well, if I'm as saved as I'm ever going to be, my salvation is complete. No, it's not. You're as saved as you're ever going to be, but your salvation won't be complete until you finally cross over into glory and we leave the mess of this sin-sick world behind us. And we see the Lord face to face. At that moment, our salvation is completed because we have achieved glorification with Christ forever. And until that day, you are sealed by the Spirit of God. You are authentically a part of his family, 
And he assumes the responsibility of securing you until you're home going to heaven. Pretty good stuff, isn't it? Now, I know inevitably somebody will ask, well, hey, just a second. Can I do something to mess it up? Can I sin so bad that I lose it? I want you to look in in chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. These are familiar verses, verses 8 and 9. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Did you get that? We're saved by grace. Through faith, not of works. Let me ask you a question. How many of you think you can do something good enough to get into heaven? I would say you're all right. Because it's not about works. Now let me ask the backside of that question. If you can't do anything good enough to get in, what makes you think you can do something bad enough to get out? If it's not connected to anything I do, it's solely based on the finished work of Christ, I can't do anything good enough to get in. And because his grace is bigger than my mess-ups, I can't do anything to get out of it. You see, your identity determines your destiny. We need to start living like the joy-filled, abundant life people that Jesus has saved us to be. You see, I'm a, I'm a saint, not a sinner. I'm in, not out. I'm accepted, not rejected. You lay hold of those three facts, watch your life change. Watch the way God uses you. And watch how God blesses others through you. That acceptance in God is an incredible thing. You know, most of what God gives us is not isolated, but God always wants to multiply it. Our giving, same way, you know, the five loaves and the two fish became enough food to feed a multitude. When we give, God multiplies it. When God gives acceptance, I want you to see this. This is pretty incredible. It's good enough, you might ought to want to write it down. I can't believe I just said that coming out of me. But this is good stuff. God accepts me. Say amen to that. God accepts me. You know what we call that? Grace. I accept that God accepts me. You know what we call that? Faith. I accept me, which, by the way, a lot of people struggle with. I accept me. We call that peace. I accept you. That's love. And when you accept me back, that's called fellowship. You see, when God accepts us, It's not just so that we can feel good about being a part of the family of God. It's so that it can impact every facet of our life and all of the people we come in contact with. So let me ask you a question this morning. 
Are you a saint and know it? Or are you like the woman that came to me and said, well, I just assume I've always been a Christian. Can you, you may not remember the specific date on the calendar, but in your mind you remember where you were, you remember probably how old you were. There's a place and a point in your past where you can go to and you can say, that's my spiritual birth certificate. I was born again on that day. I don't, I don't remember the month or the day of the week or, 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 or the, the day of the calendar. I, I don't remember any of that, but I can tell you, I can go, that's my spiritual birthday. On that day, I was born again. And God reported my, or recorded my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you've never made that commitment, today's all you've got guaranteed to you. I wouldn't wait. I wouldn't leave here wondering or hoping that you are if you don't know. And if you are, there's nothing wrong with saying, God, I'm not sure. So I just want to clarify it today. Maybe today's the day you want to do that. Maybe you're looking for a church home. You've been visiting here for a while. And this is where God wants you to plug in, become a part of, serve, and grow. And maybe you just need to come to the altar today, kneel and pray and say, God, I have not seen myself the way you see me. And I think that has negatively affected my life. And so, God, I just commit to you right now. From this moment forward, I'm going to live the life of a saint, not a sinner. I'm going to be careful about what I brush up against and what I come in contact with. I want to stay as clean as the robe of, of righteousness that Jesus has placed around me. I want to live in Christ. And God, from this point forward, I'm going to live with the comfort and the knowledge and the peace of knowing that I'm accepted by you, loved by you, and sealed by you until I finally get home to glory. I'm going to ask you to stand and bow your heads with me. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. James is going to make his way up here to the, uh, to the platform as I'm praying. and The altar's open. You don't have to wait until I'm done praying. But if God's gotten a hold of you today, this would be a great time. to. I'll be standing down here at the front, as will Clay and maybe others. If you just want somebody to pray with you. Boy, what a great day this is for you. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, what a joy. And precious privilege it is to be in your company today. To know that the power that rolled the stone away and brought Jesus back from the, from the dead is in this very room. And God, it doesn't matter what we're dealing with, what we're going through. The reality is we have every spiritual blessing to meet every challenge of life. I pray that each one of us might find comfort in that knowledge. God, I pray that as a people, we might leave here an army fully understanding that we are identified with you as a saint in Christ. God, I pray for those who are struggling right now, that out of your resources you might minister to them, love on them, and provide for them whatever it is they need. That, God, they'll look back on this day when they did business with you 
and recognize that their full and complete devotion and commitment made on this day is what radically altered their behavior, their decisions, and their life. God, may you receive the glory and honor for our actions. I ask it all in Jesus' precious name.